setting too many apple carts by having our preaching first and our praising later. But uh, either way, I think that you're going to be blessed. Uh, thankful so much for my wife being able to be here. You know that uh, her sister passed away, and uh, she is in, uh, just really, really thankful for all of your prayers. And I'll share a card uh, just in a moment. But I'd like to begin by sharing a story about a man named Larry who was a hospital cha- chaplain. And Larry had become friends with this hospice patient uh, who was about 80 years old. And this hospice patient, uh, his name was Mary. And Larry was greatly impressed by Mary's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore he made a habit of visiting her regularly at the hospital. Well, one day he got a call that Mary had taken a turn for the worse and that if he wanted to see her alive, then he needed to get there and get there quick. So Larry went to visit his newfound friend and he found her in a very, very deep sleep. And he didn't want to wake her up because he knew that Mary had been in a lot of pain. And just as he turned to go, Mary's eyes opened wide and she just stared at him. And then she looked at him and said, oh, for a minute I thought you were Jesus. Well, they'd had a laugh about it there for a little bit and uh, they continued to have a great visit together. And just about two hours after that, Mary did see Jesus face to face. Would you agree that every once in a while we should be mistaken for Jesus? Shouldn't we all be mistaken for Jesus every now and again? Friend, I want you to know that God has given you a a mission just like he gave Jesus a mission. And it's your job to find out what that mission is and to be a fulfillment of that mission. Uh, If you're living your mission out, here's some things that are going to be happening in your life. If you're living out the mission that God has given you, you're going to be showing unconditional love for people. You're going to be treating other people with care and compassion. You're going to be uh, bringing the good news to the poor, and you're going to be praying healing for the sick. Friend, you're going to be freeing people from lives that have been torn apart. Those are some really good pictures of what people are doing when they're fulfilling their mission. And then if you do those things, maybe, just maybe, somebody will confuse you for Jesus someday. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren says that life is all about love. Life is all about love. Because God is love, the very most important lesson He wants you to learn in this life is how to love. How to love. See, it's in loving that we are most like God. Because God is love. Love is the very foundation of every commandment that He's given us. Jesus said so much. He said the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. How are you loving? 
Are you loving other people? You see, love is not just a Christian message. Love is the Christian message. It's the Christian message. It is the message that God loves us and he showed that love on the cross. So as we start over this year, as we begin to start over, we at Bethel are praying for hearts that are burdened. Praying for hearts that are burdened to declare that God insists on loving every person on the face of this planet. It doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. God wants us to spread that message that he loves people. I mean, what would happen, friend? What would happen if we took that theme that God loves every person on the face of this planet, if we allowed that theme to become the theme of our life and to change everything about who you are and about the world that you live in? Can you imagine what the world might be like? Last week, we found that the Bible declares God's love. And I shared with you from 1 John chapter 4, where the Bible says, He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is to settle the sin question of how does a perfect God living in a perfect heaven allow a sinful man to enter? There had to be a propitiation. There had to be some answer to that sin question. So, in 1 John chapter 4 there, we shared that the Bible declares God's love. By declaring that God is love, He's basically telling us that every single thing that God does is rooted in love and motivated by love. Everything that He does. But to begin to understand love, you've got to begin to understand God. And if you're going to begin to understand God, then you've got to begin in no other place than the revelation of God's love, and that is His Son, Jesus Christ. Learn more about Jesus, you'll learn more about God. Learn more about Jesus, and you'll learn more about the love of God. Now this, this week, the Bible takes on a monumental task takes on the monumental task of describing God's love for us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'd like to share with you just a few verses that tell us that God wants us to know about His love for us. And He tells believers, it's interestingly enough, 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants you to know how incredibly much he loves you. No matter how deep it may seem, no matter how high it may seem, he wants you to know how much you're loved. But how in heaven's name are we going to go about describing the love of God? That's a pretty incredible love to try to describe. I mean, think about it. After we've used every word in our vocabulary, we're still going to fall miserably short. But you know what? We're going to give it a shot anyway. Amen? An old gospel song is entitled, The Love of God. And in that song, there are these lyrics. Listen carefully. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches into the lowest hell. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Even though we are unable to fully comprehend the entire scope of God's love, He has revealed to us in many ways that we can begin to comprehend his love. So your question uh, that I pose today is, how has God, what has God said about his love that we can comprehend? I believe that one thing that God says to you this morning, he wants you to know, my love for you is unprompted. My love for you is unprompted. You see, our own personal experiences about love teach us that we have to earn love. Our own lives teach us that you've got to do something if you want to be loved. We love because someone loves us. We love because I'm attractive. Can I get an amen on that? One of them, amen. The one that matters, praise the Lord. We love because someone loves us or because someone is attractive or because someone gave us birth or because someone takes care of us or because someone is always there for us or because someone is kind or generous or because someone is caring. That's why we love them. We've learned in our lives that if we meet certain conditions, if we meet certain standards, then people will love us. So throughout life, 
We are constantly striving to act right, to live right, to look right, so that we might be loved. But that's a burden we weren't meant to carry. And often that burden leads to addictions. And often that burden leads to despair. A gentleman named Henry Nguyen uh, describes it well. Here's what he says. He says, the world will tell you, yes, I love you, if. The world says, I'll love you if you're good looking, if you're intelligent, or if you're wealthy. The world will say, I'll love you if. If you have a good education, if you have a good job, or if you've got good connections. The world says, I'll love you if. I'll love you if you produce much, if you sell much, or if you buy much. You see, there are endless ifs hidden in the world's love. These ifs enslave people because it's impossible to meet all of those ifs and be loved. The world's love always has been and always will be conditional. As long as I keep looking for my own self-worth, as long as I keep looking for my own identity in the world of conditional love, then I'm going to remain hooked, constantly striving to be loved. Think about this. Do you generally love people who are thieves? Hmm. Do you love people um, who stab you in the back? Do you love people who talk about you in a negative way behind your back? Generally speaking, do you find it easy to love children who are disrespectful? Generally speaking, do you love people who are horribly deformed? You may have self, you may have pity on them. You may feel sorry for them. But do you love them? You see, most times in human relationships, we don't love those who are unattractive. We don't love those kind of people who act in ways that we think are unacceptable. In fact, if I find out you're a thief, I'm probably going to distance myself from you. If I find that you're stabbing me in the back, what am I likely going to do? I'm probably going to distance myself from you. Such is the case with human love. But God's love's not like that. 
God's love's not like that. His love is free. It's unplanned. It's uninfluenced. His love is unprompted. There's nothing we can do to cause God to love us. And there's nothing we can do to prevent God from loving us. God loves us simply because he is God. He loves us not because of anything that I've done. He just loves me. Author John Ortberg writes this. He says, nothing you will ever do could ever make God love you more than he does right now. You can't do anything to make him love you more than he does this minute. You can't uh, have some greater achievement. You can't um, be more beautiful. You can't um, have wider recognition or some greater level of spirituality. Even if you are more obedient than you are today, you, he will not love you more than he does right now. Furthermore, nothing that you have ever done could make God love you any less than he does right now. No sin, no failure, no guilt, no regret can make God love you less than he does right now. In 2 Timothy Chapter 1, the Apostle Paul describes God as the one who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, get this, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The Apostle Paul, again writing to believers in Ephesians chapter 1, tells us that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons in Christ Jesus to Himself, and get this, according to the good pleasure of of His will. Not because of anything you've done, but because of the good pleasure of His will. You see, we love Him because He first loved us. God is God. God does as He pleases. And it pleases Him to tell you this morning, my love for you is un. God wants you to know something else this morning. He wants you to know that my love for you is also unreasonable. Wait a minute, Bill. Are you saying that God is somehow unreasonable? Well, no, that's not what I'm really saying. Well, humanly speaking is what I'm saying. God's love just don't make sense. Humanly speaking, God's love doesn't make sense. His love for us seems irrational. I mean, how many people here would love people who dislike you? 
How many people here would love someone who absolutely despises them? Who hates you? Could you love someone who hates you? Friend, from the day that Adam and Eve sinned against God, mankind has continued to rebel. From that day, mankind has continued to drift away from God, has continued to break every commandment that He provided for our good. It seems that all we have caused God is disappointment and heartbreak. So what's the reasonable course of action? Somebody drifts away from me, I say let them go. Somebody rebels against what I tell them for their own good, let them go. The reasonable course of action would be to turn your back on somebody like that. Humanly speaking, the reasonable course of action might even be to destroy them. But though God had countless reasons to abandon us, though he had countless reasons to turn his back on us, and though he had countless reasons to draw the curtain on mankind. He didn't take the reasonable course of action. Instead, he chose to press on with a love that in human terms is beyond all reason. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. It's an irrational kind of love. But I want you to know that his love does have reason. In Romans chapter 5, I don't even want you to open your Bibles, but I want you to hold up your bulletin. Here's the reason. Read it with me out loud. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the reason. He wanted to demonstrate his love for us. The Bible brings God's unreasonable love down to a level that me and you can understand. He just wanted to demonstrate his love. And no matter what it meant, he was going to show you that he loved you. So what would it take for you to die? For another human being. Preceding that verse. In Romans 5, 6. The Bible says. For when we were still without strength. In due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's me and you by the way. Verse 7. For scarcely will a righteous man. Will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man. Someone would even dare to die. What would it take for you to die for somebody? Well, if you think about it long enough, you might say, well, if I was related to them, I might die for them. Man, they'd have to be really good, but if they were really good, I might die for them. 
if they were super righteous, I might die for them. Maybe if they were innocent like a child, I might die for them. But would you sacrifice your life for the vilest of criminals? One of the necessary evils to being a chaplain with the Florence Police Department is seeing and hearing about the vilest of criminals. Would I sacrifice my life for them? No, sir. No, ma'am, I would not. Would you sacrifice your life for that person who's making zero contribution to society? Would you sacrifice your life for the one who delights in being your enemy? Would you sacrifice your life in someone who actually takes pleasure in doing evil? Well, friend, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. He died for you and me. Card-carrying sinners, amen? Those who seem to delight in rebelling against God. Those who, according to Romans 5.10, were actually enemies of God. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. I wouldn't die for my enemy, would you? See, God's love is so great, so far-reaching, so overpowering that Jesus willingly died in the place of those who were determined to oppose God and everything He stood for. He died for them. Every one of them. Every one of us. God says, my love for you. Yeah, it's unreasonable. And finally, this morning, he says, my love for you is unending. As we wrestle with the sheer width and length and height and depth of the love of God, we have to return back to the very basics of who he is. The Bible teaches us that God is in His very nature unending. Genesis says He is the everlasting God. Revelation says He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is and is to come the Almighty. Isaiah said He inhabits eternity. Paul wrote, he is the king eternal. The psalmist wrote, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It is his very nature to be unending. God has existed always and will always exist. And God's love is eternal just like he is. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, the Lord tells everyone who reads the scriptures this. Yes, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, because of that everlasting love, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. We love him because he first loved us. God's love for you has existed before time began. And it will exist for you in the eternity to come. I don't know about you, but I draw comfort from that. I draw comfort in knowing that God's love for me never takes a break. It's an everlasting love. He says to me, Billy, that's what my dad calls me. Billy, my love for you is unprompted. My love for you is unreasonable. And my love for you is unending. And I've proven my love for you. Demonstrated it, actually. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, like that unopened gift, God's love has got to be received. And I believe that the Father says, if it is your desire to accept my love, then you must, you must accept my Son. Because that's how I demonstrated my love for you. Many of you, I know, have accepted the gift of Jesus Christ into your life. There are some of you that I guess I don't really know if you have or not. But at the conclusion of every service, every, every message, we offer an opportunity to decide. Do you want to accept the love of God into your life? The Bible teaches us that if you want to, then you must accept His Son. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word, for the guardrails of life, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to stay in the center of your will. But Lord, I praise you, adore you, and exalt you that no matter whether I'm doing well or failing, your love for me stays the same. Lord, help us to be changed by the message that God is love. Help us to love those who seem unlovable because you do. Help us to get that message out to the entire planet that you love them and you dearly desire to be in a relationship with them. Father, for the one that is here today who has never accepted the love of God, Lord, I pray that today they would have the boldness and the strength and the power and the courage during this song to step up, to step out, to come forward, to allow me to show what the Word of God says about us accepting the gift of Jesus Christ our Lord. Have your will in your way, Lord. In Jesus' name.
And all of God's people said, 